0: This week's episode of Screen Talk is brought to you by Logan Lucky. Steven Soderbergh is back from retirement and he made another really fun heist movie. It's a New York Times critics pick, a People's Magazine pick, and number one on Entertainment Weekly's Must List. It's a NASCAR heist comedy about two brothers trying to reverse their family curse. Critics are raving that Logan Lucky is as slick as a whale caper that's purely entertaining. And to hang tight, there's a lot more quotes here. You won't have a better time in the movies this month. Five stars. Entertainment Weekly says it's a fizzy, twisty, southern-fried heist flick that Manny Fair calls the perfect late-summer cocktail. Logan Lucky, in theaters this Friday. Welcome to Screen Talk, Wars weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the deputy editor and chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor-at-large out in Los Angeles. And Anne, last week we had this sudden surprise in the voting for the new president of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences wound up being John Bailey, who we said, don't worry, more or less, he's not just the more conservative wing of uh, electing some white guy to to do something less exciting. And then uh, this past week, we got a little bit of an update with a string of interviews that John Bailey did that, uh, to put it mildly, didn't go over probably as well as the Academy would have liked. There were some comments that he made about uh, not being uh, as as um, sort of old-fashioned as he was being characterized that I think sounded more combative than... Uh, they he got, to be he was striking.
1: very, very annoyed because if you think about it, he did like one interview after the other in one day, right? And everyone, and was asking, everyone asked him exactly the, the same thing. And so he started getting really testy and about you can see it it. in the interviews. Yeah, but the problem is if you get
0: testy with a reporter, you're just writing your own headlines, right? I mean... He said something to the effect of, "He said it was bullshit you know, that anyone should give
1: him a hard time about being an old white guy." Well, he's white and he's seventy-five years old, and and he's a, a working cinematographer who always already shot like three movies this year, and he's someone who made a big point about it as, as far as the diversity issue that he's always been hiring. Uh, a diverse group of people to work for him on camera crews and everything, which is what he considers to be the important thing. And he's, you know, went on about the Latin American initiative that they're doing and, and, you know, all the other diversity programs that the Academy's part of and including continuing to vote people in. And he made a long list of all the international and various multicultural people that he's brought on, you know, from Pedro Motivar's cinematographer to the woman who shot Land of Mine. So he's, you know, he's he's representing the crafts and he's a smart, erudite guy. He's been, you know, voting in the foreign language branch and he's very respected. And he's very much his own guy. I mean, he's not someone who's used, if you think about it, if you've ever been on a movie set, the cinematographer is somebody you never mess with. You know? Well, yeah,
0: I mean, that's like, the director could take like two seconds in between setups maybe to, to have a chat or, or make, crack a joke but the cinematographer is like, much it's not, you always almost always a person really close to the action. That's right. right. And know? they're the
1: ones who, who have to get you know, make the turnarounds and get the lighting and and On change the, the you know, whatever. So they they you know, they're used to being in charge and being you know, they serve the director obviously, but so he has to do that. He knows how to work with other people, obviously. But he runs a tight ship. Any cinematographer does. And, and I think it's going to be interesting uh, to see. He's obviously uh, outspoken. And, and he was political enough on one, one thing, for example, uh, you know, in terms of the diversity thing. He knew enough to say, uh, leave it to the branches to figure out. Because you know, there's a big question about how the Academy has brought in a lot of people who maybe weren't as qualified as they used to have to be. Right. Cause well, you yeah, have people yeah. who are annoyed by that because they couldn't get in. You know? Right. No, I mean, I,
0: I guess what, what's, what's notable about the first impression of John Bailey as the Academy president is just that the tone was, I think, jarring. I mean, so the, the interviews themselves seem to be relatively non nonjudgmental, mostly just sort of introducing him to people. But then you see riffs on them like the headline in the Huffington Post new academy president, an old white guy promises to maintain diversity initiatives. And the quote that ends up being cited, time and and again, is, yes, I'm a 75-year-old white heterosexual male, that defines me, it doesn't limit me. So the question is, what would be a more diplomatic way of addressing these things? On some level, it is about being sensitive to the needs of the individual branches, being aware of the fact that we live in a a time in which there there is a, a more progressive desire to see... Uh, the diversity of the film industry represented in the Academy and, and hopefully that, to ensure that that affects the way that films are honored at the end of the year. But, you know, the, the problem is that you want to you want to treat that as something that's a, sort of an all inclusive Strategy that people feel like they're part of this. Everybody's working towards that kind of common goal. Well,
1: and, I don't think he's used you know, to giving interviews. That's right, what yeah, it exactly. comes down to. And it, so it sounds more like a, a
0: battlefield. Yeah,
1: he's not. He's not as. He's not as politic as as. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm, uh, I'm. i think it's, it's going to be interesting to to watch as he's as, as have we go forward. Yeah, And and the other thing that he did admit, too, which I think is the most important thing the Academy has to deal with, I think diversity is important, don't get me wrong, it's a huge initiative and they're going to continue it, but I think that the idea that the two-hour motion picture is a threatened art form and Netflix is dominating the universe and Amazon is richer than you can believe and the studios are suffering, you know, a drop of 4.8% in the box office as their attendance flatlines. Um, you know, I think there's some real issues uh, facing the Academy. One of them is recognizing that there's a digital universe and, and that there's uh, other ways to, to look at, quote-unquote, motion pictures. I'm, I'm planning to do a story it would be, you know, like a lexicon kind of glossary thing that uses all the words that have become uh, archaic. In our world, including the word film, you know. It, it's- well,
0: film—that's an interesting one. I mean, I've all—I long ago tried to train myself out of using it in anything that I wrote to think about, you know, what the connotations are there. It's, on some level, it's—it's it's completely misleading. And movie, which is an older term, I think, actually movie is actually works more better. accurate. Yeah, it's a, right, yeah, right. because it's as long as we're talking about moving images you're basically okay. on the right track yeah, but okay. but, it, but it is i mean we're we're definitely years and years away from a point in time in which this institution that sees itself as as recognizing movies as a very specific thing could open itself up to the evolution of the art form to episodic narratives or other kinds of things involving moving images there's still a lot of snobbery
1: in our business a great deal and the oscars one of the reasons that the oscars still have some weight and they're diminishing in their authority there's no question but one of the reasons they still have a good deal of weight and why people take them seriously is because people like john bailey who are working cinematographers are in that voting group the people who make the movies and who have been elevated to a very high level and and have you know in theory this are 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 so good at their jobs and so well regarded that they are invited to become part of this august organization you know that is that still means more than the say 20,000 people <laughs> who <laughs> make up the uh, TV Academy and vote for the so Emmys. There's so many of them. And no if, one if seems you, to if care. If you
0: basically like watch TV and get some kind of you know, job in the industry, you might have a shot at voting for the Emmys. I mean, I it's, still it's don't kind know of a fast.
1: People are. It's fast. I mean, I'm supposedly, you know, covering the Emmys too, and and I do enjoy uh, a lot of the great premium TV that's out there. Don't get me wrong. I love watching it. And I love interviewing smart people. I talked to Peter Morgan this week from The Crown, and that was, you know, a, a pleasure for me, as it has been for for years. But but it's still um, not. You know, I don't. I don't get into the uh, I have no sense of a group of people who I know who vote for those awards. That's the issue. Well, what
0: I think is 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 valuable about scrutinizing that disconnect is that it shows you just how much we're still watching an industry in transition, and that even as you have dramatic shifts in small periods of time, where actors who want you know a, a decade or two ago might have gone. You know, straight into film and state of film star are now you know finding careers in TV or and major enhancing actors. their celebrity yeah. and their or status actors, and their
1: TV queue everything or major
0: actors who have careers in film going to TV like say Nicole Kidman or Reese Witherspoon, or even at the same Netflix, time, like Adam that, but,
1: Sandler, right? But,
0: but those things that happen may may generate some interest and, and fuel conversations about these phenomena. They are not paradigm shifts. That's what's really, that's going to take so much time and so much of an institutional shift. You know, Donald Glover got into the academy this year, but what's it going to take for a Donald Glover to run the academy or to become the status quo? That's not something that's going to happen overnight. The John Bailey... the thing they're
1: not even recognizing (laughs) is that they invited John Glover, they invited Glover into the academy because he was a star on TV. <laughs> they yeah, have figured... Exactly. They, they wouldn't they, acknowledge they, they those wouldn't credits. Acknowledge but... That that the movie credits got him into the Academy. They did not, you know? Yeah, and So exactly. there's this so, huge denial going yeah. on across the board. and And if Amazon's you know, Grateful Dead movie is, 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 is considered, you know, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with, with, with OJ, Made in America. I, I'm fine with everybody recognizing the different lengths and episodes and, and, you know, behemoth movies like, you know, Steven Soderbergh's Che. I mean, it's fine for these movies to be, you know, for these things to become part of the Academy conversation, but they aren't admitting what's, what's really going on.
0: Well, what's fascinating also is just that nobody wants to admit anything that puts their own status in jeopardy. Right.
1: You know, If you, if you, if you
0: have decades of experience behind the camera shooting movies, why, why would you just comfortably say what I do just doesn't work anymore? And that's why I think it's actually kind of great to have Steven Soderbergh returning to film this week with Logan Lucky opening. I mean, there's a guy who claimed he was retiring from film, kind of rediscovered himself on some level – through TV. With the next, which is a back. great series. So there's this fluid. Uh, element to what he's doing, and that he I also
1: think... redefined the way that movies uh, that the that these series were done. You know, he's the one who actually directed all the episodes, and then, well, as Lynch then is doing
0: *Peaks*, and now you but, have all these he's...
1: other people doing the same thing, like well, Mark Ballet exactly. on *Big well, yeah. Little Lies* or any number. I, I, of them. I think we, we Fukunaga. You want
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, Carrie Fukunaga was a TV tour in some ways before. Soderbergh because he's of a different generation that where it would make sense that he would have that fluidity. I mean, his first feature scene Nombre was like 2009 which was right around the time that Lena Dunham was about to get girls, maybe a year or two after. I don't think
1: Fukunaga as a TV guy though. He went no, from movies he, well, to TV. He's more, he now, is like Lena Dunham in the sense forth. that he would have been an indie filmmaker if there was more of a world that supported indie filmmakers. Yeah, he's developing instead he went a feature TV. now. He's doing a, a, That they all a want to do TV. And he's,
0: no, but I mean, I, mean, I think you wrong. It's not that he's an indie guy for, who made movies and then went to TV. I think that he he lives in both worlds and, and sort of is coming of age in both worlds in a way that a Soderbergh didn't have the luxury to do or wasn't, wasn't even inclined to do because he thought of himself as a filmmaker then saw TV after he was well-established as a filmmaker. I mean, he credits, like, you know, seeing things like The Sopranos come along. And at that point, he was an Oscar winner who had, you know, basically broken out and made so many different kinds of movies over the course of a decade and a half that he had this sort of flexibility to figure out what what kind of a filmmaker he wanted to be in the 21st century. So to have somebody like that say, now I'm going to figure out the TV equation... You know, it's almost like quaint in a way. Like you just want to like. What's interesting about
1: Soderbergh, though, is that first of all, what I want to give him credit for is that he's always been an innovator. He's always been trying to look at it differently. He's always trying to figure out a better way to accomplish what he wants to do outside of the box. I mean, he tried to start like a studio. I mean, he's he's tried to do so many things, and now he's you know. Making claims about the new distribution mechanism that he took advantage of for logan lucky and and i I grant that that it's innovative, but I also would like to suggest that there have been service deals <laughs> for a long time, and you know he's figuring it out and doing it now in a different in a slightly different way
0: i mean that's true, but what i what I like about seeing Logan lucky being released through the this you know service deal approach where it's you know he's he's managing the budget very carefully and not trying to overspend on marketing and all that kind of stuff is that it's a direct response from a filmmaker who's also been burned by what the studio can do magic mike is a movie that was made for i don't know 19 20 million dollars and then the studio spent something like 40 on it for marketing so it's what whatever you know sort of concision he's able to bring to the set you know, being a practical-minded filmmaker who knows Does how much he everything himself. Play. Yeah, I mean, it's true. He's a micromanager, but why? Why? You know, great filmmakers are often like that, and, and yet the studio doesn't know how to deal with that. Can't be nimble enough to adapt to that approach. And I like the idea of a sort of basically saying: the more you're open to understanding the market and where your stories belong, the better your stories will be positioned for people who should discover them. And what <laughs> I think is great is that he found a good movie to come back with. I mean, Logan Lucky, I found totally charming and enjoyable, and if people on a Friday are trying to figure out what movie they should go see, I think they'll be totally satisfied with this if they're looking for just something completely, you know, satisfying. Well, I the mean, question
1: is how is what kind of expectations you bring into it. I, I have very high expectations of Steven Soderbergh, so I admit that I was slightly... Taken aback to discover, as he references himself in the movie, that this is a sort of uh ocean seven eleven in other words, he's following the exact ocean's template. I love that that line movie. is in the
0: movie. And, when and I first heard that line, I thought that some, some you know, sly Twitterer came up with it, and then I realized he scooped everybody. You know, he named it that himself. He knew
1: what it was, and he understood what it was, and he isn't stupid. It's a very commercial movie. He's going to do well with it, and he has great actors. I mean, Channing Tatum couldn't be better cast. Neither could Daniel Craig or or, or Riley Keough, who is sort of the ultimate Spielberg um, it girl, I I mean that in the in, in, a, in a very in other words, he has this type. <laughs> They're all lean and affectless and uh, brunette and smart, but you know she's the best actress of the bunch that he's had, I think. Well,
0: you you, you forgot to mention Adam Driver playing. Uh, oh, he's the, hilarious. Tatum's brother. I mean, and they all have these hillbilly accents, which is risky right you can fall into parody very easily but they're very carefully coached in a way where it 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 almost seems like it's that cohen brothers type of aesthetic where you take these you know country bumpkin types and then it turns out that they're actually a lot smarter than the caricatures initially seem and it's true i mean he is redoing the oceans formula but the I mean, we love great genres, and he's kind of like found his own subgenre within that. So it's it's pretty and he cool. He very him come fluidly.
1: Back. He knows what he's doing. But I guess I guess I found myself going, oh, okay, there's the music that goes in between the elevator shots. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's 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 a little close. Uh, and for there's comfort. the
0: flashback at the end that explains everything you thought you knew, and then you know, it gets right. get redefined. But it feels good. It's and fun. And that's what I was thinking about. Is even in a, in a sort of. Lesser Soderbergh movie, which is a characterization. I bet even he would be okay with because it's not it's not top tier. You still feel like every shot is very carefully done. There's something there's a precision to the disposable nature of this movie that that's I really good, appreciate. That's
1: it. a very good way of putting it. I the, the the only thing I would say is that if you think you know if you had the mindset that I did initially, which is, oh, my God, Spielberg's coming back. I mean, Soderbergh's coming back to make a movie. Um, And and then you see this movie, better to go in expecting what it is than to expect something groundbreaking and astonishing and and new.
0: Well, in some ways, it's, it's better to have that be the comeback movie, because if you think about it, if his comeback movie was something like Che, which was a real disappointment, even though it was this, Landmark movie for for Soderbergh as an artist it just it would have been really frustrating all around a lot of people wouldn't know what to make of the movie the release strategy would probably have to be fundamentally different and probably unsuccessful and there would be stories saying something like Soderbergh is back but should he come back yada 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 this is like welcome back old friend now stick around a little bit you know it's fun to have a filmmaker I think he around. consciously like,
1: made that choice I I agree yeah, with you
0: very very wise but you know what's also notable is that one of the interesting um uh, movies competing with uh, Logan Lucky this week is Patty Cakes, which is finally opening. And this was and talk about a crowd pleaser. I mean, this was a big movie out of Sunday and sold for twelve and a half million dollars to Fox Virtual. Ten and a half, half. half, excuse me. I think it was what was it? it was Mudbound uh, ended Mudbound up being. Mudbound was twelve
1: game. and a half, yeah.
0: It just closed later. But but at the time, I mean, Patty Kicks was really the big deal at Sundance, and, and um, I'm so sort of so curious Fox to see how Fox Searchlight picked
1: it up. So you and I um, were talking about this earlier. I mean, Fox Searchlight is is you know has been uh, sort of top of the walk for a long time. They're they're capable of marketing the hell out of movies and making them into hits and spending on them and. Um, it's interesting to me, A, that they picked this particular date for Patty Cakes because, at least at Sundance, everybody was talking about Danielle McDonald, who's a wonderful Australian actress, so you would never guess uh, she's a, she plays an American rapper From <laughs> in Jersey. In the and movie. she can't even
0: rap in real in life. In real that life, that she, like she, she learned how to do it life. for the movie.
1: Yeah. Um, but she, she basically, uh, you know, it is a, re- it's a, it's a real uh, movie about female empowerment. It's, it's about, you know, how people who are treated badly because they're fat, you know, can reach beyond that and and find, you know, some kind of grace. Um, it's about, you know, her older mother who who is also a disappointed entertainer and her grandmother played by Kathy Moriarty who's amazing in this from Raging Bull. And there's so much good thing, there's so many good things about it. It's well written, it's well directed, it's well acted. And yet, you and I were just talking about this. It has this muted feeling going into its opening weekend, and I have to assume it's going to get very good reviews like the one in the New York Times, which was a, a rave, and it's going to get good word of mouth, and it's going to start small and get bigger. But um, just in terms of the kind of buzz you expect for a movie like this that had it's such a high there. profile, it doesn't feel like it's it It's not there. I thoughts.
0: went to the New York premiere at the Metrograph uh, earlier in the week, and uh you know the enthusiasm was there it wasn't but uh, it's, it's weird it's a critic
1: which is pretty good
0: i didn't feel that the this vibe of like this is the the most exciting movie of the summer there it hasn't been ubiquitous it hasn't been like like a hustle and flow which is a movie that i was comparing it to as soon as i saw it and i have to be honest with you i've talked to people who are lukewarm to very negative on the movie they exist i would not say that they are some vast minority that this movie does divide people do you on think some it level because of this falls in
1: the the realm. This just occurred to me. Reminds me of another searchlight acquisition out of Sundance. Earl, me, Earl, and me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. Well,
0: that was a this, real disaster. I, I, and this that movie isn't won like the Grand that. prize. This one did not. The jury, is at my understanding, I actually was was not into the movie. But I do think that there is. I think this is a better movie than Me, Earl, and the Dying it Girl. It is. And it's also
1: has less of that standard glossy standard feeling. That, that, but that's but the, I, I wonder I if that's that, part of it is that it's sort of it has a mainstream feel to well,
0: it. I, I don't know. I think I think that it's not about a mainstream feel, it's about the this and I hate to put it this way, but this the Sundance mark of quality that when when a movie has a Sundance breakdown, this has been the case at least since the Little Miss Sunshine phenomenon, where it's like something about that kind of quirky, feel-good mold, and that's what people expect when it's fulfilled by a certain kind of movie and a certain kind of worldview, it automatically invites a certain kind of rejection. And one of the things I've seen people do is they look at this movie and they're like, I'm not comfortable seeing this movie about a white woman being a rapper and there's a supporting character who's black because the racial politics are completely off base. And it's very hard to argue with that except to say that that's not really what the movie is working through
1: and she's also being night. discriminated that, uh, against in her own right of course well. i mean
0: it's the thing it's, it's like what you know which angle do you want to take on this well you know if somebody has an issue with that well it's it's not an airtight problem you you know it's a, you it, you can argue through it but it's still there and it's something that if somebody notices it you, you can't ignore it. And so it's just a question of the extent to which that could be an issue for a movie like this when you're talking about things like word of mouth and and whether or not it's going to build positive buzz over a long period of time because it's something people can poke a lot of holes in. The difference between this and Me and Earl is that Me and Earl is a cancer drama, even if it's a a quirky, feel-good cancer drama about a film student. This is actually something that has cool music in it. It's kind of funny and gritty, You know, it's too bad that she can't rap in real life because she would have killed on late night talk shows doing that kind of stuff because the songs are really good. And at Metrograph, they even premiered a new music video, which is worth looking up, that they recorded just a few weeks ago. It's got references to Wonder Woman and Trump in it and all kinds of stuff. So I don't know, I mean it's
1: I think it's, you can assume that Fox Searchlight is marketing this and that they're marketing it to the people that they think are actually gonna show up. Kurt Anderson has a new book and he 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 and and uh and there are people who recognize that marketing when it's clever is is targeting certain audiences and it never if you're not that audience, you're never gonna see it. And, right. and and so there, I, I have to suggest to you that there's an element of that going on with patty cakes. It's all social media, and it's online, and it's heading for a younger audience than we, even we are. <laughs> well, so, but
0: last weekend, notably, you had Good Time, Open and Limited Release, Ingrid Goes West, Open and Limited Release, and they both did pretty well. They
1: did. They did very um, well. And,
0: and both those are movies that definitely seem to play to a younger, younger audiences, definitely. you know, and it's like... We Where shall was the see. Patty I mean, it's 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 great to see a lot of different movies out there that are being released on a big enough scale. So if you are somebody who lives in all, any number of different places, at least in in North America, you have a range of options that seem like they're targeted towards you. But it also means that you know, it's, there's a lot, it's, it's there's a lot of competition and that means standards are going to be pretty high for how these things are being processed, talked about, and so forth. By I mean, the I, way, the I, other
1: movie that's doing well is Wind River with Jeremy Renner. Which
0: Yeah, you know, that was interesting to see that happen yeah. as a point of contrast. I mean, that's a movie that I think younger people that's can more watch. But it's kind of fun, that's more It adult. does have a, a fun genre element, but you're right. It's an older audience can go to that movie for something else, You know, kind of the old-school noir element. So. Be cur- I'll be curious to see. Yeah, it's it's like a west, uh, kind of icy western sort and then western. the Jeremy Renner element He's too. He's so I mean.
1: good in this movie. He really is. He's an. Do you
0: think so? That this is an interesting question. I mean, these other movies. Who knows what the hell is going to happen? Do you think with this one, which is a Weinstein Company movie, and we know what that means? Does that put that this movie that we didn't really think of as an awards movie maybe a couple of weeks ago into the awards no, conversation?
1: I, you know, part of what's going on with Patty cakes too is that it's it's difficult to take a movie that that, that opens in the summer. And 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 put it in the awards conversation. But on the other hand, Hell or High Water ended up in the awards conversation. People really respect T- uh, Taylor Sheridan, and he's a good writer director. It's his first movie as a director, and Jeremy Renner gives a great performance. This is it's. It, I said the same thing about Hell or High Water. I didn't know if it would be judged harshly for being a genre film, and it wasn't. They liked it.
0: No, I mean because it's just such a good genre for film, and it was about I, I, I something very topical.
1: Yeah, this wind one isn't. Not as good. It doesn't reach the same levels. It doesn't. Yeah, it's and not, it's promise.
0: not as confident.
1: No, no.
0: But that's fine. It's it's totally it's it's fine for what it is. I mean, I, I was surprised that it's that it's getting out there the way that it has because it didn't sound like something that people would be rushing out to check out. It seemed more like something they would wait for the you know VOD arrival or something like that. But I guess you know it's the. Uh, it's it's very satisfying for what people want right now, and it's hard to get people to leave their houses to go see movies in the first place. And the theatrical marketplace is not what it was just a couple of years ago. So, as Soderbergh knows more than most people, so I guess next week we can actually take a look at those Logan Lucky numbers, see how that played out. We can look at the Patty Cakes box office and uh, dig into any number of other stories. So other other festival news may break, and and our conversation about award season may widen, but. Very little is opening next week for us to discuss, so so hopefully we'll have an opportunity just to kind of look back at, at everything that's been happening in the past few weeks and t- kind of take a breather because just a week after that we're heading to the mountains of Colorado for Telluride and then it's it's off to the races. So I hope you're getting some sleep in when you get a chance.
1: See you later.